Welcome, everybody, to our first episode of No Fouls, the newest podcast from Uncommon Media, and there's no place I could have started this show than without my first guest, as he was my coach, is my mentor, and I mentioned it in the trailer, one of the utmost historians of Vermont high school basketball, Aaron Hill, thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you. Geez, that's that's quite a welcome. You make me sound like I'm 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 an okay guy. Yeah, okay. That that works. <laughs> uh thanks for having me. No, I appreciate it. And I talk to you about basketball a lot more than kind of anybody else. And you're one of those people who when I talk to other people about you who don't mm-hmm. really know you, I feel like they don't really get a full grasp of who you are. They see yeah. maybe some yelling on the sidelines and yeah. winning, and maybe that's about it. And I know you obviously a lot more than that, and we have great basketball conversations. And you can only learn so much, I found, through the three-minute interview before a game, if you happen to be on the radio. And people tend to ask the same three questions every week. So you don't really oh, get yeah. to learn – the personality. So you're one of the main reasons. I'm like, man, I would love to kind of let people in and say, see, Aaron's got a sense of humor. (laughs) I'm not a raving maniac all the time. No. Uh, Why don't you kick it? When do you remember kind of basketball coming into your life? Uh, Yeah. So when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in a baseball family. My dad was a huge baseball nut. Um, ended up, you know, did coach for 30 years, little league and ended up coaching varsity at Hazen for, for several years. Um, and so I was a little league, I was all about baseball and I almost didn't even play basketball my freshman year in, um, high school. Cause I was always like the worst player. I was tall, gangly, had a big fat head, skinny body, pretty goofy. Um, and I almost quit. I, I was going to quit. And I, I started school young, too. So I was young for my grade, which didn't help. And then I decided out of the blue I uh, to try out for an AAU team um, after my freshman year uh, on JV at Hazen. And back then it was it wasn't these, you know, you're, you, now you play on all these local teams and you, if you win the state tournament, you then, you know, you go on if you want to nationals. Uh, back then it was, you tried out and they picked one team for the whole state. And then you went to, uh, the nationals with that team. You practiced all summer together. And so, uh, I was just a tall, skinny, spastic kid. And I decided I'll go to the tryouts and I made it through the first round of tryouts in Newport somehow. And then I went to Milton for another round of tryouts and, and they kept passing me through, I think just because I was so tall. And then we went to uh, down at White River and we had a game, north-south game there. And somehow the coach, uh, Dave Kinsman, who is a Hall of Fame coach in the VBCA, he's an assistant coach on the Castleton women's team now. And he decided to take me. And it changed everything for me. Uh, he was an amazing coach. Uh, I was way over my head. Uh, all the other guys were way better than me. Um, he probably regretted taking me, I would imagine, at first, especially. 
Uh, and then one of his assistant coaches was Steve Fratt, uh, who ended up becoming one of my mentors. And between the two of them, uh, I just got um, – I improved significantly and ended up falling in love with the game and went back uh, to Hazen for my sophomore year, and I was twice the player I was. And, you know, then then it became a lot more fun. And from there, I, I you know, became a basketball guy. Then in high school, I mean, excuse me, after I graduated high school, I went to UVM and my brother was playing. And then Steve Pratt came into the mix and became my brother's uh, coach. So I knew Steve way back. And then he kind of did his own thing, went to Cabot and coached. And then he ended up coming to Hazen and becoming my brother's coach. And my brother was always going to play. They played all the time. And so I just kind of went along too. And if you, anyone who knows Steve, he's going to, you know, sucker you into doing whatever to help him out or to get you involved. And yeah, uh, he got, he got me involved in coaching. Um, and then I started coaching uh, when I was 19. I coached a AAU team over the, in the spring. Um, and then Steve had me coaching middle school boys and JV two boys and assisting him with the varsity boys in 95 in the 95 96 season and then just from there I just took off I was you know addicted to it so when you take over in 2000 and we'll probably double back and talk to Steve about Steve a little bit most people when they take over a varsity program it's not necessarily full speed championship expectations And not only going in 2000 did Hazen have championship aspirations, but they were coming off a couple seasons where everyone thought they should have won and hadn't. So how much pressure is on you going in that first year with, you know, a senior laden team, not that much younger than you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, right. So I coached JV the two years prior to me taking over the varsity for Steve. And they had two really disappointing exits from the playoffs in the state semifinals, like you said, especially in 99, the year before, where they were really uh, favored, I think, to win it all. Williamstown was the other one, too, and they both ended up getting upset in the semis that year. Yeah, it was supposed to be Um, this huge grudge match. It was all built up, and then they both lost in the semifinals. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, And they lost, and Hazen lost to, you know, Dana Martin, one of the best players and Stowe, one of the best D3 players ever. He was fantastic. And uh, he he really just took it to us that night. And then um, Steve ended up moving on. And I had coached all those guys in AAU and middle school and stuff. So I had a really good relationship with all those kids that were on the varsity. And I was, you know, at first I was ecstatic. You know, oh, my gosh, I, I'm the varsity coach. I'm only 24 years old. And then it sets in like, oh, my God, I may only be doing this a year if I blow this. Um, and there was so much pressure, like you said, and, and uh, expectation. And that group felt the pressure a lot. Uh, regular season wasn't a problem. But when you got to Barry, for whatever reason, we struggled. That group struggled in Barry, And uh, we ended up playing Arlington in the semifinals in a 
crazy game where a lot of stuff happened, but Randy Lumsden ended up committing his fourth foul late in the game. And the, the, the old scorekeeper there, um, Don Walker, God bless his soul, made a mistake. And he actually only had, he had him down for three fouls. So I put Randy back in the game and he hit three threes in the last two and a half minutes of the game. And we squeaked it out. And then we went on to the championship where we beat UCA to win it. And uh, a big relief for me, for sure. That first year, how much of your own stuff did you try to kind of start putting in? Or were you kind of just driving the car that Steve had set up? No. So we actually, we made, we changed things up quite a bit. Um, and the year, the year before, uh, we had, of course, Billy Welcome um, was an outstanding player. He was a junior the year before and, you know, scored a thousand points as a junior, phenomenal player. Uh, and we just ran everything through Billy. And when he went the next year, uh, we had Billy back who actually had was coming off foot surgery. So he was not 100 percent for sure. He missed the first couple games. Uh, but we also had Tim Shedd, who is now going to be a junior and Randy Lumsden, and we had a really strong team. And so, uh, to Billy's credit, I, he, he did not push back at all. And we kind of tried to spread it around a little bit more, um, with less of a focus on one person and more on the group, uh, because it felt like when they got to Barry, people could focus on Billy and we struggled to, to score. And in my eyes, that, that was part of the problem. Um, so we did spread it around. There was more balanced scoring. Tim Shedd became a junior. He was obviously an incredible player, and he just matured more. They all matured. And, I mean, they, we were loaded. It was it was basically me just not blowing it. But you didn't, so that's still <laughs> a victory. And it's obviously, for me, I was – whatever I was, 14, 15 at the time. And that's, man, that group just seems untouchable. And I think part of that is you have those memories from when you were a kid. So, yeah, right. like, in my mind, like, Chris Davidson is seven foot two. <laughs> yeah, and, right, right. You know, it's weird now. You walk into a gym and there's Randy, and you're like, oh, we're similar sizes completely different people and athletes and all that. Yeah. But that group just, man, I don't know they, if they, I saw a better group than that. They were a special group for sure. They, they were easily, easily the best middle school group I've ever seen in a D three program. And I, I bet Jack carrier, when he had the, the man wearing kid, that group was pretty good too. And they're in eighth grade, but that group with Randy and Billy and Adam Gann before he had health reasons and couldn't play, they were undefeated. And I mean, they were phenomenal. And that team had more physical ability for sure than any group we've had bringing them together. Sometimes when you have a group like, you know, like the Calipari at Kentucky does such a wonderful job. When you have so much individual talent, sometimes it's actually hard to bring it together and get it all them all to, to, to share and, and, as a group, um, not, not that they're selfish in any way. They weren't at all. They were very unselfish, wanted to win more than anything, 
But when you're that talented, it's hard to figure out sometimes. Um, I mean, three of those guys went, Randy, Billy, and um, Tim went to five star in Pittsburgh and, and nobody there could believe that those three kids were all from the same school. Uh, from it, a town it was, no one's heard of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they were, you know, I mean, above the rim. Uh, we had two, Billy was a first team all state kid. The next year, Tim Shedd was first team all state, Mr. Basketball. Uh, both of them had well over a thousand points. Randy Lumsden had 950 points and was, you know, 5'11 dunking on people. Uh, phenomenal group of guys and special group for me, because like you said, I was 24, they were 18 and I, my coaching, I grew, I was a kid coaching kids myself and we kind of grew up together. Like I, I was young enough. I played up pick up with them all the time. And it was, you know, I was a kid myself, uh, but they were great about respecting me. And there was, there was still, um, there, there was respect there that they gave me. And uh, one of the closest groups we've ever had to this day, we all are still in contact and those guys all hang out and it's, it's pretty amazing. That for how much of kind of the massaging around people's needs did you have to do that first year? You know, you mentioned Randy who easily would have had a thousand points if not for some injuries early and, and playing other. with two other thousand point scores. Yeah. But you know, he was always probably the one that sacrificed and yes. I'm assuming there was pressure on Tim, I would assume kind of being the next guy, but still they're the seniors. Right. So making everything kind of to work. Yeah. That, that was the thing it was bringing it all together was, was the challenge with that group. And especially like in those tight games, like at the odd, when you have players like that, they all want to be able to, to, to take over and, you know, and save the day type of thing. And, and you just need to play together and, and it'll, it'll happen. So, uh, but they did, they, they, they sacrificed. And uh, I was a young coach. Just, I look back on that now, so many mistakes I made, but they were good enough to, to, to get it done. I remember Randy was the only, maybe to this day, the only player I've ever seen, pull up from about six, seven feet behind the three point line. And you didn't lose your mind. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> no, Randy, Randy's one of the most phenomenal, natural athletes, explosive athletes I've ever coached. He was, he was a phenomenal baseball. He could throw it, you know, he threw in the eighties and he didn't even, you know, he didn't even play as a senior. He did, you know, it was, wasn't his focus. He was just a phenomenal athlete. And we'll jump ahead here in a minute, but that kind of that next season is Tim Shedd's senior year. And you go from this crazy balanced attack with three guys, you know, scoring 20 points a game to you have one player that everybody's focused on going for 30 and 10 every night. Yep. Did, did the game plan change? Uh, so, well, I mean, obviously it was, it was definitely uh, a different, but Tim was great. It was a special, special group of guys because there was no jealousy whatsoever. Everybody knew Tim was the guy, but you had people like Ryan Reno and Ian Drown, also seniors who just embraced their roles. Ryan was a terrific defensive player, 
could hit a spot up jump shot. Ian was an undersized forward, but an incredible competitor and played off of Tim so well. And, and Tim averaged, you know, 29.3. I remember that, but forced nothing. Like he, he set everybody else up. His efficiency rating that year was off the charts. He, he was not just coming down and it was not um, a one man show. He had other people involved. He was just so efficient and dominant inside, outside. Um, you know, he shot over 40%. He shot around 40% from three. Um, yeah. Had a, he could go inside. Um, he had lettuce and assists, lettuce and steals, lettuce and blocks, lettuce and shooting percentage. It was a phenomenal season. Um, but like I said, those other guys, we had Chris Hodgson, uh, who was the point guard, phen- really tough competitor. Um, so we had guys who maybe weren't superstars around him, but were really, really good teammates and knew how to play and, and play a role. And uh, we almost, almost pulled off a big upset that year in the semis with Poultney, which who it was just a machine. Um, and we almost pulled it off. But in the end, they, they snuck one, got it, and uh, you tip your hat to them. Crazy game in the semifinals from sophomore, I believe, Dylan Barton at the time. Yes, JV call-up, Dylan Barton. Went yep, crazy in the semis. Yeah, yeah. In the, in, the, in the quarters, he had three threes in a row against Green Mountain. And then the semis, he came out, hit a couple threes. Um, he he was a clutch kid, boy. He was that guy. He was as clutch as we've ever had. Now, after this, this brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. At what point or when was the first time you kind of had a team where you realized they couldn't run what you wanted to run and you were going to have to make an adjustment because you didn't have quite the people to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing about high school basketball, isn't it? It's not like college basketball where you get to recruit to your style. You kind of have to come, you know, coach to what your kids are good at. I would say 2002, the year after Tim graduated was one of my most challenging years from a standpoint of, trying to be competitive on the court. Wonderful kids, great competitors, but we we definitely, we were a little bit, you know, we, we were a little bit uh, in a deficit when it came to skill and, and even size. Um, so we had to, you know, we couldn't, we didn't press as much. We had to be a little bit more disciplined offensively uh, and tried to grind out and grit out games. But that team, I remember well that we went on a little run at the end of the year, and and I'm still proud of that team. They they gave a lot that year. And I know you got stuff from other people, and I know the answer, but I'll have you mention it. Where did you get the uh, the famed Hazen one two one one full court trap? Because we had a special <laughs> guest come in almost every season to yeah, coach yeah, for right, a day. Right, so. Uh, coach Mike Maxwell from uh, used to coach at Twinfield and uh, has helped at Norwich. He coached at VTC. Uh, he was great in my younger years. He would come in and uh, he he put in the one helped us put in the one two one one um, and and it was great because because he came in he would kind of do do his thing and I could kind of sit back and and watch and learn and then. As the years went by, I added my own tweaks to it and, uh, you know, studied up and, and stuff. But for sure, he's the one at the very beginning. Mike Maxwell was uh, the one that, that 
got us on that that one two one one press, got that going. Great coach. What makes a good assistant coach for Aaron Hill? Number one for, for I would say to any varsity coach, number one above anything else, you need somebody who is a good human being and loyal. Because when you're the head coach, you're going to make people unhappy. There are going to be kids unhappy. There are going to be parents unhappy, no matter what you do, because not everybody can play the same amount of minutes. And some kids need to get pushed harder than others. And so you're always going to have that. So you need people that when people are unhappy, and those are the people they're going to go to. And you need to know that, that when they go to those people, that they're going to help the kid, but they're going to do it in a way that is supportive of the head coach and the program too. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two, you want coaches that are willing to, to stand up to you and argue with you and give you their point of view, regardless of whether you agree with it or not. And be, you have to be able to be comfortable disagreeing um, to be, to get pushback because you need that, feedback from the other side you don't want yes men as your as your assistant coaches um and then if you can get coaches that uh kind of have the same um philosophy about kids about basketball and are willing to adjust their roles year to year too so they're not just locked into to the same old thing every year but I would say if you get somebody who's a good person, who's loyal to you, loyal to the program, um, and if they then if they know if their knowledge is great, that's a bonus. And I'm lucky I have that. But the the loyalty and the commitment to you and the program is by far the top thing because so often you see at other places uh, these people who who when people are mad at the head coach, and then that other coach becomes their best buddy. And, you know, it's easy to be their best buddy when you're not making the calls. Uh, so I've been for, you know, I have the same, I had the same JV coach for 22 of my 23 years. Um, the other assistant is my brother. Uh, and then we've mixed in, you know, we have Adam Gann right now. Pretty much every assistant we bring in now is hazing guys, part of our family. And we try to keep it in the family. Uh, my daughter's now an assistant this year. Um so it's all former players and, and family members for me now. Yeah, my uh, my senior year when I was riding the bench, I had a blast sitting next to Jamin Reno for 20-plus <laughs> games. That was good times. Uh, you mentioned Baker, and you mentioned loyalty and doesn't get much more loyal than that. And I don't know if anyone's had a JV run of 20-plus yeah. years in the same spot. Oh. I find it hard to believe how convenient for a lack of better word is probably not the right word. Is that for you? I mean, you're never out looking for the next JV coach and you have this system in place and it all kind of funnels and it just works. And it's not this thing that you have to worry about. You're in, you're out. How big is it having that guy in your corner? Like you said, 22 years. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's one of my, very best friends. Um, we were college roommates. Uh, he's a huge part of what we do, right? I, he, he's so supportive. And, um, when you have your best friend 
and your brother and then like Adam, who's a family, might as well be a family member as well, or Jamin Reno and it was Jamin. Um, now we got Kevin Doy on how people that sometimes, especially with me, it can get ugly on that bench. I can get, I'm not the most pleasant person once that whistle blows and the game starts going. Uh, I've been known to snap at my assistants pretty, <laughs> especially my brother. Uh, but, you know, and and then when it's over, it's over. And and they don't take it personal and we're all good. And, and so that's been huge. But here's a little tidbit for you is this is Mike's last season coming up. He's finally, his, his second son is a senior and uh, he's calling it quits after this year. So we will be getting a new JV coach after this year. Has Adam already got his resume in your pocket? Yes. 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 I figured as much. <laughs> and yeah, I had Baker in middle school before he made the, the yes, leap. Right. That's where he was before. Yeah. And that's another thing we should say is like, not only our assistant coaches, but our middle level coaches, you know, we've had Lucas Stubbs who used to play for me. He did it for a number of years. Randy obviously has been a big part of it. Adam was a big part of it. Uh, at the middle school level, Mike way back. My daughter's the coach. Letty's the the middle school coach now. Um, you got to have that that continuity, uh, I think, to, for things to really flow and continue to to be um, successful. Now, around to the best of my recollection, around my senior year was the first time I remember us really focusing in on the summer, and we were playing like the alumni team twice a week throughout the summer. And then it kind of involved evolved into this summer league. What was it? Cause everyone kind of does summer league now, but to the best of my knowledge, you guys are still the only ones where most of the, all the teams you're playing are all older alumni teams, older kids that have since graduated. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's something we started. Whew. Like you said, it would have been, we kind of started to play around with it when you were a senior. Uh, and then the full-fledged uh, league we created would have been about 2000 and, oh, it was before the 2009 season. I remember it was the summer of 2008. Uh, so we used to do a typical high school summer league season, like I think a lot of the schools do, where you play with other high schools and and that whole deal. Um we were at U32 We way back. We were at Lamoille. Um, we hosted one at Hazen. And it, then we kind of – some of the teams couldn't make it a few times. I think that was when you were playing. So I, I just grabbed some um, graduate alumni, and we played the alumni a couple times. And, and I was like, wow, these guys are – this is a lot tougher competition than the high school teams were playing, and they all are right here. This seems to work pretty well. Um, and then there are other struggles too, when you do our typical summer league is like the other schools, they can't start for whatever reason. And then they have to get done early for whatever reason. Um, a lot of times the other teams weren't bringing their best players. Uh, so what we did decided to do was just, we made it an all men's league summer league, except for our varsity and JV teams. And we've done that since 2008 and it's been a tremendous success. And we've brought in players from uh, all around town, not towns, not just Hardwick now. Like we have, we've had kids like kid guys that play at Linden State College. It's high level basketball. It's, there's some really good players that play in this thing. 
I think Randy um, was the I, first recruiter. Yeah, that's right. Randy, Randy put a team in and brought it. We've had one year, we had a guy that was six uh, eleven that played professionally overseas that played a few games in the league. Uh, we've had uh, Mike Perez from back, you know, at Spalding years. Uh, we've had phenomenal players in that league and our high school boys take up pounding, but it teaches us toughness. It's call your own. So there's no referees and it gets very physical and uh, the older guys are great. You know, they, they are great. I, I rarely do I have to deal with any issues with the older guys. They get it. Um, so it's, but it's physical and the older guys compete. They don't want, this is their, you know, this is their season. So they, they go after us and, uh, it, it gets really intense and we get to play longer cause we start right as soon as school gets out and we go right up until the last day possible before that 10 day break before soccer. So we get a lot of games in and they're all competitive and, uh, and it's all hazing and it's free. So it just, it works great for us. It's, it's something that um, I'm really glad we, we decided to go to. Yeah. Nothing worried me more about testing our friendship than when I started rolling in with Williamstown kids. Oh, Dom, you became a legend in that league. You were not afraid to get physical. That's true. You, you were, you were definitely physical. We, the, the, some of those games get pretty heated. Usually it was me against the older guys and the older kids would right. just kind of quietly do their thing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was usually I kept it more to the other older teams. Yes, you I did. only you lost did. it a couple times on the high school kids. <laughs> that was when Jake almost broke my nose. That's right. <laughs> and that was that was a rough day. Yeah, that was there was some definitely some uh, intense moments in those days. We're going to hit on a few more things while I have you. And one of them, and I asked you about this very early in my fatherhood after I had kids. I think you were playing at Stowe, and I brought TJ, and I had asked you, what's it like coaching your kids? (laughs) And you had told me, I think you said the first sentence you told me was, the highs are higher, but the lows are lower. Yep. Still sound right? Yes. It coaching your kids is uh it's awesome, but it is uh it, it is it is emotional and and stressful. Coaching my daughter was different. She she was she's more like me. So we had some kind of hard-headed moments where I'd have to, you know, but I only coached her in AAU. Um, and you know, when she was younger, uh, Carter, that was, that was hard. That was hard because people, if you're going to be the coach's kid, particularly a coach who's been around a while, if anybody's got an ax to grind or whatever, that's where they're going to go with it. And he had to have some very thick skin. There were moments where, you know, grown adults are yelling at him during the game yelling at me. Um, those were hard. That was hard. Um, but Hey, it's just kind of part of it. And it's, you know, small town stuff and the vast, vast majority are wonderful, but it, it's hard. And then as a kid you hear, Oh, you know, you're only playing cause your dad or whatever. And then as a father, you're, you're trying to constantly make sure you're not favoring your kid. So you go a little harder at the kid. Um, 
but you want to still be fair. It, it's a lot. It was a lot, but uh, I've had a lot of great moments in my coaching career that I really look back on fondly, but I think it's fair to say probably the most special moment in my whole career was last year, being able to hug my son at the end of the state championship game, knowing this, the struggle and the everything that he went through um, to get to that point, it was a pretty unbelievable moment for us. And I was really proud of him. And, um, but now he's gone, which is sad, but now I can just be a coach again. I'm not coach and dad. So it, it just uncle. in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uncle. I got, I still have a nephew, but that that's easier. That's not that, that just is easier. So, uh, but it was definitely coaching your kid at the varsity level in particular, that, that is a challenge for sure. And, uh, but what, one I, I'm so thankful for. More stressful, coaching Letty or sitting on the side during a game, not able to say anything, watching her play? <laughs> oh, wow. Letty, Letty has a personality that was, like I said, like myself. I think probably, boy, that's a tough question. She had great coaches, though. Uh, it wasn't anything to do with their coaches. It was her herself and getting in her own head uh probably coaching her was harder because she like i said was basically a female version of me as about and and my intensity did not um intimidate her one bit (laughs) so she she i got more uh comments from her probably than any other player uh we had some we had some some interesting moments over the years, but uh, it, it was fun, but <laughs> she, she definitely has some strong opinions. And how is kind of that family dynamic there? Because it is so prevalent. And there was a point, you know, where Travis was coaching the girls team and I was there and Letty is a freshman and Letty makes it as a freshman and she earned it. But I have parents coming up to me telling me, Oh, it's just because Travis is the coach and he's Aaron's brother and he's her uncle. I mean, how much of that, thankfully, I mean, for the most part, the Hills you have now, I think everyone knows they've earned their spot. Xavier's doing fantastically for you. I mean, but especially now, and we've talked about it, not pressing record before it's, it's a different time where everyone has a complaint. Is it harder when it involves so much of your family? Um, that for me, the hardest part, because I, I always, you're always the longer you're somewhere, the more you're going to hear that kind of stuff. And like I said, the vast, vast majority of my experiences are wonderful. I love Hardwick and everything, but, um, there is, you know, there's some of that small town stuff and, and it's the, you know, the hills get everything. The hills, you know, it's political, blah, 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 blah. Um, but what are you going to do? Uh, it, the hardest part is when it was affects your kids. You know, I some some yo-yo can yell at me all they want. And it's not going to phase me at all. But when they're yelling at your kid, that, that was hard. That was a challenge um, to encourage your kid. You know, you just be strong and, and don't react. And, and uh, that, that, there's no question that that, that was the hardest thing I've ever gone through is, is dealing as a coach, watching 
uh, other people, you know, kind of go at you, attack you through your children, if that's a way to say it, you know, and uh, that was hard. No doubt about it. Great moments. Like I said, the vast majority, but um, some people can be pretty cruel and, and that's just the honest truth. And, uh, but it, it builds character and uh, you take the high road and you, and you go on and, and then hopefully as Carter did, you, you have a lot of success and, and uh, those people can go stick it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to some more probably positive things. Uh, it's different this year in the sense Williamstown drops down to Division yeah. Four, and Jack has left. What did Jack and kind of that Williamstown rivalry mean for you the last decade plus? It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It, so the, for the first 10 years we co- I coached against Williamstown, we never lost. From 2000, 2010, we literally never lost a game to Williamstown. And then uh, Jack took over, and obviously they had that amazing group with man wearing and all that, and then Jack, such a good coach. And we had a time where, for us, we had a little bit of a downturn. And I'll tell you, there was about three or four years where Williamstown was, we took it hard. (laughs) Uh, But what it did is it it motivated um, our not just me, but the kids, the other coaches in our program to double down on our effort. Adam Gann created Mustangs AAU. Um, and, and Williamstown really forced us to um, improve our, our program. If we were going to compete, we had to improve our program. And we had a lot of people get on board with it. And, uh, you know, a few years, it took a couple years, but I feel like we bounced back pretty well. And, and we had some amazing I'm going to miss, miss those games. We had some amazing games and battles with Jack over the years. Um, really special moments. Great coach, great program, um, super community supports their team. You know, Hardwick and Williamstown, there was some, when we played, especially at the odd, it was, it was, it was pretty magical time. It was, it was a lot of fun. Almost more so than the odd. Tell me about knowing you're going to play, in whatever it was, the quarterfinals in Williamstown, where it's going to be 90% Williamstown fans in that packed tiny gym. Yep. And the just the animosity and everything. Yep. Yep. It, we did it once. I remember it well. 2013, uh, we went there. We had a, a team that was actually really peaking, but they had that that probably, in my opinion, Jack's best team he ever had. They were undefeated. Uh, and we were, is a one point game with five minutes to go, you know, and a few breaks didn't go our way. And, uh, they ended up pulling it out by about 12 or 13 after free throws. Uh, but that game was, wow. Uh, they, they were chanting, get, get, I was, you know, me, I'm a little demonstrative as a coach at times. <laughs> and, and, I they were chanting at me, get off the court. And it was, it was actually a lot of fun, but they got the better of us that day. And, and that is a difficult place to play for sure like you said they're right on top of you they're into it and they're they know what the deal is like they know our players they're they're smart too they 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 know they know basketball let's get into some quick hitters here before we wrap it up who is who's the one ref you were always happy to see walk into the gym for your game oh boy um don't have to still be active 
Well, I, I think Mike Orton's a wonderful ref now, right now. Somebody who is in it for the kids has no ego out there. I, 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 I love, I think he's wonderful. Oh boy. There's been so many good ones. Um, Tino? Felter was excellent. What were you going to say? Tino. Tino. Probably if you made me pick one, it'd probably be Tino. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Mike's great too. Now that that's a hard comparison, but Tino was, was really, he was a great official. Um, I thought Michelle Booten before she retired was great too. She was really good. Um, there's a lot of, there really is. There's a lot of good officials right now. Um, I, I, I have no complaints with the officiating. We, we, there, I, I really like, um, the people that are doing it. How many seasons did it take you before you started testing the limits of what you could and could not get away with? <laughs> you know, you're people, like the Dan Gandon. Now when people watch from the outside, you <laughs> keep saying, why does he get to yell so much? Well, you know, what's funny is you probably remember this, but when I first took over coaching in 2000, I was quiet. Yeah. I, I never yelled. I never yelled. At, I, I rarely yelled, got on my guys. I still got on them, but I wasn't as uh, demonstrative about it. And I really didn't question the officials very much. But as time goes on, you get a little more comfortable and, you, you know, maybe a little more ornery or whatever. You definitely tend to, you know, say, maybe voice your opinion a little bit more. Um, but like I tell the boys, like if, if on our team, our players are not going to complain. They are not going to say a word or they're going to sit. But uh, I think I more than make up for that. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to to voice my opinion. But I think the officials are great, and I think they understand that it's not personal. And uh, it's just when you're a competitor and you get into the game, I feel like I got to fight just like the kids are fighting and uh, try to, you know, get it, get everything you can for the kids. Favorite place to play outside of Hardwick? I would say Williamstown. Nice. <laughs> it's hard, but uh, I like going there. I'm not going to ask for one because I think that would be too cruel, but uh, give me maybe your top three players that you've had to coach against. Oh, just regular season games? Anytime. Because, like, we're talking summer stuff. We've co- you know oh, we've scrimmaged right. yeah. with all that stuff. Regular season games, I would say Dana Martin from Stowe, Calvin Carter from Enosburg. Boy, the man where the man wearing kid Jason Manwaring was really good. Grant White from Springfield, I thought was really good. McGinn from Thetford killed us. Yep. Yeah, he was good. Um, the Fulch, both Fulchers from from South Royalton were good. Whew. Um, definitely Calvin Carter and Dana Martin. And then the third, it, it'd either be Quinn Fulcher or Jason Manwaring, probably. How about an underrated player you coached against that doesn't maybe get the shine that those guys get, mm. but always gave you guys fits. Ooh, that's, that's a good question. There was a kid from people's Academy named Michael Bosch 
Now he was pretty good. He went on and played um, at Johnson, I believe. Yeah, I think so. so. I don't, you know, and he was good, but he, I think he had like 35 or 36 on us one game, shot the lights out. That game stands out in my mind. Uh, but he, again, he was, I don't know if you'd say he was surprised, but he, he, he definitely sticks out in my mind as, yeah, as somebody that we, we struggled with. Give me a couple kids from your time who are just absolutely fantastic teammates. Might not show up in a box score, but the team wouldn't have been the same without them. We've had a lot of those. Um, I'm not just saying this. I would say you're one of those for sure. Not to just. I appreciate small, that. But, but absolutely for sure. You were one of those great guys that team first, uh, supportive to all the teammates um you were a great teammate i would say another one brandon mcleon yep. from the 2010 um really good teammate really good teammate i'll tell you another kid who was a a fantastic teammate was just this past year Riker willette for us really good teammate uh supported everyone did not matter about playing time or his own stuff. He was always going to be positive and supportive. Boy, there's been, there's been a lot of, there's been a pretty blessed to have had a lot of those. Ryan Reno was another one. Yeah. There's a lot. Some good people for sure. Yeah. So one place that you haven't seen a game that you'd love to go watch a basketball game. In Vermont, a high school place? Anywhere. Oh, anywhere? Oh, that's easy. I want to go to Duke, watch Duke, North Carolina. That's my dream. <laughs> I feel like that's right attainable. With... Yeah, no, that that's, that's, I want to go there for sure. What is your favorite Hazen play from the auditorium that sticks out in your mind? Oh, there was a play, this is going back that kind of, I think, played into kind of our program turning the corner. Because I don't know how many people know this, but, like, when we were in the 80s, Hazen was, like, the worst team in Division Three. 2 and 18 was – we did that multiple times when I was in elementary school. And when I was in high school, early 90s, we actually hosted a home playoff game. We, we got upset. But it, that was a huge deal just to have a home playoff game. So then when my brother's team came along – um, and, and actually got to the odd, it felt like that was like a, a, a major, um, accomplishment and at the odd in that game, we kind of thought, well, you know, at that point it was kind of like, well, he's made it to the odd, you know, we've already won, which is hard to think of now, but, um, so yeah. So back then we were playing blue mountain. I was an assistant. And Blue Mountain and Hazen came right down to the wire. And we had the lead, but we turned it over a couple times. And it looked like we were going to lose the game. We were losing it. And we turned the ball over. And Blue Mountain was inbounding the ball with not much time left. Not much time left. Under a minute. And I believe the game was tied. And you could feel the momentum was we were in trouble. And we inbounded the ball. They inbounded the ball, and a kid named Rob Agresti stole, picked the point guard's pocket, 
and laid the ball in to give us the lead and basically won the game. And then we went on to beat Peoples in the state championship in the finals. And then from there, it just kind of kept rolling and changed the program. So I would say if there was a single play, that would be the play that for me, because I think it was just so significant in our program's history. I thought you might pick that one. Uh, A couple quick things before we end. When did you start diving into the history of high school basketball in Vermont? Oh, that was, so that was when uh, Tim Shedd was, was going into his senior year and uh, he was starting to score all these points. And and we were like, well, he's got to be setting records. We, but no one knew. So I said, well, I got to find out. So I went to the Hardwick Gazette. We couldn't find all the old scorebooks. So I went to the Hardwick Gazette and looked through old newspapers to find out, you know, for points in a game, find out, you know, all these records. And so then I got addicted to it. I found it really interesting. And so then I, I really, really worked and did all the Hazen history. Uh, and then I, I was, while I was doing the Hazen history, I kind of started stumbling upon all these things from other schools that I found really interesting. And my kids were babies. So I was home with them in the summer and you know, on their nap time or whatever, I, I, I would work on it. And then I would go to the state library and research stuff um, on off days. When my wife would be home, I, I'd take a few hours, go to the state library, look through all the old newspapers, and I just kind of got into it. And before you knew it, I was it turned into decades of researching it and uh, keeping track of it. And now it's just something that I'm passionate about and really enjoy. That's super cool. And finally, tell us a little bit about the kind of the two events you have coming up this year. Oh, yeah. Looking back at kind of the past. Yeah. So we have two big events uh, on December 16th, on the second night of the Dave Morse tournament. um, We're honoring all of our boys basketball state championship teams. So there's eight of them. Um, And we're going to have all the teams come out and be honored. And then we're going to and then at the end, we're going to have this past year's banner get raised um, alongside those other banners. So we're going to have all our past champions in the building at the same time. Hopefully we've had a pretty good um, so far. It sounds like a lot of people are coming back, which is really exciting. We hope our other alumni come back too. Uh, I look forward to uh, state runner up night. Yeah, I know. I I want, we thought about, I know I wanted, I I thought about finding a way to include more people like that. Um, And we're having a reception afterward. And then the next day in the morning, we're having an alumni only pickup games. So anybody's involved, love to see you there, Tom. And it's going to be some seriously ugly basketball and we'll have a defibrillator there. So if anybody, you know, needed need. <laughs> so, uh, but that that's, we're pretty excited about that. And then the second event is uh, we're doing on December 30th. It's Hardwick Academy night. And it's, we're, we're honoring the old Hardwick Academy that closed in 1970 that then Hazen opened after that. And uh, we're bringing back, we're putting up a banner for all the championship runner-up teams from Hardwick Academy. And we're bringing back four teams from Hardwick Academy that won championships or runner-up. 63, 64 basketball 
and the 64 and the 66 baseball state champions. And there's not many of them. A lot of them are gone already or in Florida or not doing well health wise, but we're going to have, I think 10 to a dozen of them there. And uh, we're going to raise the banner. Um, we have purple and gold t-shirts because that's what Hardwick Academy's colors were. We even have a bunch of the old cheerleaders coming out and they're going to sing the old school song. So wow. should be a wild night. Should be a pretty awesome. And we're playing People's Academy, which is our longtime rival. Um, so it's we're pretty fired up. It, two special nights. We're hoping for packed houses and uh, and a lot of good fun. That's awesome. Glad to see you guys doing that. It's it's super cool. Uh, you know, I'd hate to have you on here and not at least ask you for at least one good Dave Morris story. <laughs> Dave Morris. God, I miss that man. Um, Dave Morris, I have one story I'll tell you in a second. Rather than one, any one story that sticks with me, it's it's the – it's the overall feeling that Dave, you always, he always had your back and you knew, even if you were terrible, if I coached the worst game of my life and I was blew it, he would find some spin about some, something really smart that I did that, that, that was just unseen, but what a brilliant move it was. And, and same with the kids. Like he just was so positive and, and, did so many behind the scenes things and, and built our program up so much. Um, and he was so passionate, as you know, for me, my favorite moment was we were at Northfield in a basketball game and tie game last play of the game. Ryan Reno hits a three at the buzzer to win the game. Well, it gets waved off. And Dave Morse came out of the stands onto the court and was yelling and waving his arms at the officials because they were trying to take that away from Ryan and, and our team. And his passion was just to see that man doing that was just, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. That guy, he was a phenomenal person. Yeah. There's uh nobody really much better than Dave was. That's for sure. Yeah. Still, he, when I got back from school, no one introduced me to more people and made it seem like I was an important person than Dave Morris. Yes, he, he, he would bring you, like, I, w- I remember going to a UVM game, and um, Tom Brennan was there, the old coach. And so he brings Tom Brennan over. This is before the game. And, it, and it's not to say, Aaron, here, you know, here, meet Tom Brennan, you know. He looks at Tom Brennan and says, Coach, this is our coach, Aaron Hill from Hazen Union. You need to meet him. <laughs> it's like we were the ones that they were, you know, that they needed to meet. It was just phenomenal. You know, he'd be like, oh, yeah, and uh, this is uh, Travis Hill from the, our 96 team. You know, <laughs> it was awesome. He he just so proud of, of Hardwick and all of us. And and uh, it was just, it was amazing. No better way to wrap it up than there. Aaron, I want to thank you for being guest number one. And I know we talked a couple years ago about maybe trying to do this with both of us and talking to other coaches, but I know it's heading into basketball season and that gets real tricky maneuvering schedules. So, but I know that I'll be reaching out a lot 
for stats and information before I talk to some of these coaches. But Can't wait. thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. This is a lot of fun. I hope it was uh, enjoyable for people and uh, you're doing a great job. I can't wait to hear the other episodes. Yeah, it'll be fun for sure. Thanks everybody for tuning into the first episode of No Fouls. I'm super excited to see where this show takes me and as much fun as I have talking to someone like Aaron, who I've known for decades. I'm excited to talk to coaches and people that I've never met before and learn stories that I've never heard before. I think it's going to be a real fun trip. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, No Fouls Pod. If you want to be part of this adventure and sponsor the No Fouls Podcast, send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys in episode two.